I mean, look, even Nicholas just said like a hundred times, Tiger's the best that I've ever seen. Would you all just leave me alone? <laughs> Stop trying to Let me up. suffer. Like, I just want to be miserable. Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Players Only Podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. We are the best place to catch up on golf from around the world, including the golf of your favorite big players, Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, Colin, and Kenny Oneput. We'll start with recapping the Arnold Palmer Invitational from this past week at Bay Hill, which saw Kirk Kitayama get his first win on the PGA Tour after three grueling second-place finishes in the past 12 months. We'll talk a little bit more about the tournament, the stacked leaderboard on Sunday, and why these elevated events continue to impress the fans. And then coming up this week, we have the fifth major, the players at TPC Sawgrass. Even though the events this year have been amazing to watch, this is kind of our marquee first big event of the PGA Tour season. We'll talk about the stacked leaderboard going into this event, who our favorites are, and a little bit more about TPC Sawgrass as our resident expert, Josh, has played the course and will walk us through some of his favorite holes he's looking forward to. And we'll wrap the episode up talking about a couple of off-topic things like the new elevated schedule for next year, 2024 on the PGA Tour, how these fields are only planned to be 70 to 78 players in the elevated events. We got James Hahn coming out, not liking the new format, but we have lots of big stars supporting the format. And then also in other news, we had the men's basketball team from Walkersville making it to the state semifinals, losing in a heartbreaker foul with 12 seconds left. The other team drains three straight free throws and they lose. But what a wonderful season for these kids. We'll talk about the few games we got to attend and how we rank the concessions at each of the venues we've been to. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram and follow us at Big Players Only Pod. And check out our Facebook page, the Big Players Only Podcast Facebook page. Lots of new written articles coming out there day in and day out. We hope you enjoy the episode. All right, another elevated event on the PGA Tour, another great finish, right? A leaderboard stacked with incredible talent, yet lots of little guys kind of working their way in here, right? Kurt, Kurt Kitayama takes the title. You know, a smaller guy for people that don't watch a lot of golf, but we know he's been around, has three second-place finishes in the last 12 months. Harris English also getting up there, but then you had Rory, Patrick Cantlay, Tyrrell Hatton, Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth. Really unbelievable Sunday finish. Did you guys tune in, and what did you like about Bay Hill? Yeah, so I was able to tune in for the uh, the last you know few holes there this weekend. And it was it was definitely a fun watch. It was great to see Kurt Kenyama you know finally kind of get it done. He I think last year was his full first full year on the PJ Tour after bouncing around you know European Tour, Corn Ferry, all that other kind of stuff. And I think during that stretch you mentioned he had at least three top you know top twos. I think he had a t- couple top threes in there as well as some other good you know get this showings. in the last 12 months he came in second in three tournaments he lost to john rom xander shoffley and rory mcelroy yeah so like it, it kind of felt like it was almost inevitable that he was gonna get it done at some point but he definitely seems to be like one of those guys that's like really hit or miss because i was looking at it and i think he also in that same stretch of time i think he also missed like 15 cuts right. on the pga tour so he's either like somehow in contention or he's just completely irrelevant it seems like but it was good to see i love his move of marking a putt that's basically hanging over the lip <laughs> And you know, waiting so he can really just embrace the crowd and making, I don't know, who was his playing partner? He played with Vic. Yeah, just waiting for Vic to have to kind of put yeah. out and deal with it. And 
I, I like that move from him. It was a veteran move. From it's a, a nice young gesture, player. but Vic really almost made he made a mess there. He he almost three putted. <laughs> yeah. It was awful. Was there anything that could have gone wrong there when he was marking that ball? Like if he went to mark it and he like accidentally like bumped it in, is that a penalty or like what's what's the deal there? Yeah. So if he bumps it with his marker. Well, that would have been a penalty. But okay, if he marked right. it and the ball fell in or something like that, yeah. or when he went to go like place it back. Like he stepped in, like, it, I don't know, the ball like went I, in after he stepped I agree. I was thinking the same thing watching that. I'm like, that's a little too close. You don't have much margin for error there if you, <laughs> if something goes wrong and you're too jittery. Yeah, like they did say something on the broadcast that was like, e- better either like go put it or mark it within like 10 seconds because if it was to fall that in. That was super interesting. Yeah. I don't think that was necessarily crossing through his mind because it's like at that point he's almost just embracing the victory because you know he's not going to miss that and he's already won. But you only have 10 seconds to watch a putt on the lip before it falls in before you get a two-stroke penalty. Yeah. So he's just like, I'm. I, it must have been his caddy that goes, oh my God, get up there and mark that <laughs> thing because I probably would have been sitting there like enjoying the crowd but then you mark it so Vic can putt like politely. But man, that would have been awful. You mentioned it, his caddy. I think that's a big storyline this week, too. I mean, he has Tim Tucker on the back now, famous caddy. Uh, Numbers guy. Famously broke up or fired Bryson as his player a couple years back and just kind of retired to Bandon. And uh, I believe the story is Kitayama's brother caddies at Bandon. For 13 and years, I just found his LinkedIn. And so they, <laughs> they made the connection. And, you know, we talk about it all the time. Caddy makes a huge difference. You know, we, we saw it with Scotty last year. Uh, JT with bones on the bag, you know, these, these guys are able to kind of push these guys to the next level and, and get those victories. Right. So Tully talked about Kurt Kitayama finally getting his first win. So I wanted to read this to you guys because I saw it in a tweet, but Kurt went to UNLV for college. And then when he left, when he left college, he went Canadian tour, web.com tour, Asian tour, Asian development tour, Japan tour, PJ tour, China, China tour, Korean tour, European tour, Q school, Australasia tour, sunshine tour, DP world tour, You're just making stuff up. corn fairy tour. And then finally to the PGA and finally gets his win. Like it's unbelievable. This kid's path. Like, the once resiliency he des- out of this his resiliency. Once he decided he wanted to be PGA tour winner. I mean, there just wasn't anything taking him off his path. This is outrageous. So I don't, I don't know much about him, but what I've seen after he's won, he truly does seem like the nicest guy. Like, I've seen him in a couple interviews now, and there was one video of him, I think, at the parking lot coming up to this tournament, and a Spieth drives <laughs> by, and Spieth's just like, hey, man, great job. And it's like it, it's like Spieth looked, like, genuinely happy for him. And, and as he's walking in and getting congratulated by the staff and whatnot, it's like everyone really seems to like this guy. And, like, yeah, Rory went up to him after the win and said something. Like, I don't know who said it, him or Kurt, but said, like, I'll call you later. Like, I love that small family feel that these guys are creating. Yeah, and, and he feels like a relative nobody, but he is top 20 in, in world rankings now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously a, a big bump with winning this past week. But uh, another storyline, it felt like, you know, I've, I think I've said this multiple times now, this, this leaderboard felt like a major. Yeah. I mean, they were every, you know, take your pick, name every guy who's – really good right now, all had a shot to win on Sunday. Well, Double L was didn't make the cut, but other than him, Well, I don't think he's still in there. that category. But Rahm <laughs> was there, so, so you got a point there. But, like, there were, what, four or five guys who had a lead on Sunday, and just everybody, like, Jordan missed tap-in putts or easy putts Ooh. coming down the stretch. Uh, Vic just, again, short game, just is Vic on, the, in the, water on the same on caliber of probably us, and... So nobody else could get it done, and, and Kitayama goes out there and hits a you know big ball shot on on uh, seventeen makes birdie, and then eighteen hits it in, and you know finished it off like a champion. Par five, par three, par four finish, just like Sawgrass this week, right? And I tell you, that's a great way to finish because yeah. that par five was gettable. The guys only had one hundred eighty yards in. 
We didn't see any Eagles, surprisingly, but we did see Vic dunk it and pretty much dunk his chances with it. And then 17 was an incredibly long par four, par three that everyone played pretty much over par. I would say the last five groups that went through, the only guy that birdied it was Kurt Kitayama, right? Kurt birdies the par five, birdies the par three. Or no, he pars the par five, birdies the 230-yard par three, and then pars 18 to win. It was good stuff. I swear I watched, like, towards the end of the tournament and there was a good 30 to 45 minutes where no one made a putt longer than like two feet everyone was just missing par putts left and right it was nuts it was really relatable and i liked it yeah i I think they really dial up everything they can to make this course play really tough on the weekend especially sunday i mean we saw it a lot of guys shooting over par and it brings out the the rory's of the world having to whine and complain about how the course is so unfair but i I mean, I think he said, oh, the fans don't tune in to watch us make bogeys on Sunday to keep it close. I'm like, that's kind of exactly what I'm watching. I love seeing guys make bogeys coming down the stretch, and it's just a war of attrition. I'd much rather see him earn it kind of thing, for sure. Like, if, if you can't make the putt, you can't make the putt. Right. If you're inside at two feet and you're missing it, it's more on you than it is the course, in my opinion. That's why you guys will never be on tour. Because <laughs> we're, that's we why. also can't miss it. <laughs> that's the reason. <laughs> I think it's a bad take from Rory. Generally speaking, like we talked, I think I said it last episode, it's like everyone's kind of out for their best interests. The fans, we love watching the carnage. The players don't like when the course plays a little unfair. It is what it is. But I genuinely enjoyed this finish because when you have the top three players in the world, well, Rom was kind of not in contention, right? But you had probably five of the top ten in the world in contention, and you see not one of these guys can break through because the course is playing so hard. That was a lot of fun to watch. Tully, you want to comment on your boy Jordan's uh, putting struggles? Much like me, he's inconsistent, and it's hard to putt early in the season. I get it. It's fine. But I feel like this has been a problem for a while, right? Like, the whole thing was his, he needed to get right, like, his his swing right, so he has that weird pre-swing routine now, and, like, he focused on that so much, and now it's just, like, he forgot to putt. Yeah, but, I mean, I feel like that's literally what happens everyone. Anytime you're golfing, you know, like, once you fix one thing, something else kind of falls off, and it's just he's going to, you know, it's finding that balance. I, I assume that he's going to kind of get it all Leveled. I mean, he's playing significantly better, I feel like, now than he was last year or the previous year. So, yeah, if he just has to get that putting in line. He's still got the rest of the season. He's. I told you, he's going to win the PGA. He's got time to get it right before that. So, I mean, it is what it is. Like I said, we saw a lot of people missing those putts, missing things, falling back. So I, I don't think it's too alarming, but you know, something to keep an eye out, sure. I know Jordan is always like talking to himself, but he seemed like extra chatty this week. He weekend. was extra. Like, oh my god! Oh my god! So I saw like a a meme out there. It was like Jordan looks like someone stole his credit card number, and he just found out after every single te- every single shot he hits. Yeah, after every shot he hits, it looks like his identity just got yeah. stolen. <laughs> You make an interesting comment. So I heard that Jordan has picked up something like 15 shots on the field in the last three tournaments with his ball striking, but cumulatively has lost a shot to the field putting. You know, Jordan had, I know his swing's unique-ish, so he probably had some corks he had to figure out there. But now that Jordan is hitting the ball really top five in the world from a tee to green perspective, the putting for him, it feels like either it's a really small setup thing or it's a confidence thing. So I think that's just like, that's bound to start clicking. And I think Jordan could be on, he could be on for a good year this year. Did you, anybody else see all the coverage from like the Norwegian broadcast that you know, kept getting shared by the PGA Tour for everything Vic did? No. That might have been the most electric commentary. <laughs> that, I couldn't guy. understand a word, but <laughs> they were so excited for like every shot he hit. Like, yeah, he had the hole in one. Obviously, everyone's going to get all excited, but like he just had he hit like a decent chip or something like that, and they went nuts. And I think we need to watch more Norwegian coverage of the PGA Tour. Pretty crazy. He had a hole out like. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Yeah, Friday it was a hole in one, I think. But 
just that just speaks to like his game. He's so good, like approaching into the green, and then just not very good at all on the green yeah, or around the green. It's really like surprising. I was looking at uh, his stuff today, like his stats. Like he's got quite a few PGA Tour wins right now, but he hasn't ever won like in the continental states. He's a resort guy. They, yeah. Like he wins at all those other courses. It's like at some point he's got to break through. You'd think, but it's it's weird. You know, we mentioned all those guys at the top of the leaderboard, but we still had Jason Day, Victor Hovland, Cameron Young, Matt Fitzpatrick, Max Homa, Sahith Thigala, Corey Connors, JT, Tony Finau. Like, all these guys were in the hunt. Because of how hard the course is playing, nobody was breaking through. So if any of these guys could have shot four or five under on Sunday, they would have been right back up there, which I think the elevated event thing's kind of working, right? I mean, this, this the bigger purse, and then this is a really good venue, right? I know it plays a little hard, but it's an incredible venue for this kind of event. I was kind of waiting, and I'm glad this last weekend played out like it did because I was kind of waiting for one of these elevated events where all the big guys are there, but the guy who wins it is not, like, the biggest name. Like, Kitayama, right. like, looking at that leaderboard, you'd think he had no business being there, and he's the one who, who pulled through and, in the end, kind of outlasted the course and, and made the less mistakes than everyone else. With a triple on eight. You saw that, right? So he hits his drive. Nine. It was no, nine. Nine. Yeah. Hits it towards, towards out of bounds, and it ends up being out of bounds by, like, three inches. What a, what a cool move to leave the ball there. I love that move. It's like, fuck you, ball. You're staying here. Goes back, hits three wood in the rough, makes a triple bogey, and, and wins up winning this tournament. It reminds me of, like, was it Tom Kim? Got, like, a quad on his first hole at the Wyndham and ended up winning kind of thing like that. But he had a lot more time to make up for it. Kiriyama had to make it up on the back nine. What do you think of his finish of his swing, Ben? Where You were talking about that a little bit this past weekend, him, like, that hold-off finish. Yeah, he does that kind of lazy, like, Almost looks like he's trying to catch up with it. And the broadcast, like, I know these guys, Faldo and all that, not Faldo, but Azinger and all them, know, they know golf. So I know they know what's going on, but they're, like, they're commenting on, like, oh, it looks like he didn't make a great swing. Like, no, that's just how he does it so he knows he doesn't miss left. And, like, sometimes it looks a little uncomfortable, but he knows that ball's never going left to target. And I couldn't stand how they were always grilling him <laughs> on that finish. Like, what a bad swing. It's like, no, he just knows that what he's doing. Let's move into... Kind of like our first big, big week on the PGA Tour. These elevated events have been great. We, You know, the Genesis and the Waste Management, the API, these are all amazing golf tournaments. But we are at the fifth major, the players, the first, really, the first big event of the year. We got an incredible field, right? A bigger purse this year. Lots of commentary going around with Rory and everyone talking about how, even though in the time it maybe didn't feel like it, but like Liv is definitely making golf better around the world. It's making purses bigger. It's making it better for everyone else. We got an incredible players this week. What do you guys think about the course? And then do you have any players you're watching out for? I could not be more excited. I don't think I've ever been more excited to watch a golf tournament. Obviously, I played there last summer, and I've watched every video on YouTube <laughs> over the last week of like different podcasts or, or influencers out playing the course and, and thinking back through how I played and listening to all the commentary. I, I am just so excited to watch these guys play and be able to oh, yeah, I was in the same spot, but I dunked it in the water from there. Like, those kinds of things I'm, I'm excited to see. But it's it's one of those courses. Obviously, I'm a little biased having played there, but you you leave the big stick in the bag for most of these holes, and it, it really puts such an emphasis on hitting the greens in the right place, and you got to hit your tee shot in the right place, and it's not – it's one of the few courses we have on tour during the season that it's not just bomb it out there and hit wedges in, and, and it's, you know, a, a big distance – off but yeah it'll be exciting to watch the second hole is a par five right yeah a little bit dog leg off the left 
and then kind of over water into the green. You'll see a lot of pros not hit driver there because they can do three wood and still get to the green with iron. Some will take driver to be a little bit more aggressive, but you're right. I mean, out of 14 holes where you can hit driver, these guys are only going to be hitting, you know, eight or nine drivers. I mean, looking for position. You know, the one thing I mentioned to Colin when we were talking about the, the Eric Anders Lang thing, this leaderboard last year, the top three are all live now. Anurban Lahiri, Paul Casey, and Cam Smith. It's pretty interesting. I don't know if, like, do you, th- there's, there's like an underlying tone here, right? Because this is like the PGA Tour's flagship event. Do you think that Liv was like, all right, guys, who, how do we decide who we're going to get on this tour? It's like, well, what's the PGA Tour's most important event? All the players, let's take the top three from that event and get them all to sign here. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, Cam Smith not being there, and he's been quoted saying, maybe I'm just going to show up and just, you know, start walking around the course and interacting with people. So it'll be really interesting to see if he actually does show up. I think, I think I heard he's banned, actually literally banned from being on the grounds. That's just petty. Did they take all his all his stuff off the walls there and he's no longer considered a past champion? That's a tough one. I don't know. But that'd, be, that'd be more up to the course. Than it well, they are a TPC course, right? So they're PGA Tour affiliated. So I bet they did. I bet they got it all gone, which is just feels like a travesty. Well, and that's, that's going to be one of those things that's probably going to be disappointed during this tournament is normally you have these flashbacks. And last year, I mean, the shot he hit on 17... He was on fire with the putter, and and we're not going to relive any of that this year because they're just going to you know whitewash it out of the the history books because he's now on live. I saw that replay the other day. So right, Cam Smith right pin middle right just over the bunker, and he hits at about four feet right of the pin in between the water, and then he famously comments like, "I definitely wasn't aiming there, but we'll take it." And then he bogeys eighteen right, puts it in the shit, hits it in the water, and gets up and down for bogey. He actually ended up winning by one shot right. Yeah. Over honor bond. So he birdies 17, which felt like a gutsy shot, an incredible birdie. But then his bogey on 18 makes this thing incredibly tight toward the end. I only remember honor bond's Easter pants last year. <laughs> <laughs> Those orange a cream things. They're oh, beautiful. God. And last year was, there was like a hurricane that blew through, right? So yep. it was like two days of playing in 40 mile an hour winds, watching these pros hit just god-awful golf shots yeah that's what i'm honestly maybe most excited about watching it this year versus last year the, the weather seems a little less uh volatile <laughs> yeah, uh, like i saw friday afternoon was like 60 percent chance of a thunderstorm and that was it yeah and it's florida so the thunderstorm's gonna yeah. last 15 minutes and it'll be fine kind of thing so we so won't have to listen to rory complain about how <laughs> you guys god, the weather's so I'm gonna bad beat someone's ass i don't know who it's gonna be yeah that, but, that was like the most famous morning afternoon splits last year it's like if you teed off first on thursday you were like six strokes behind automatically just because how the weather played out. It's It was crazy. But yeah. we looked it up. There were 60 – it might have been the third round that had some bad weather or something like that. It was like 68 players went through, and literally half of the players hit a ball in the water. Yeah, and it was also – like the third round had like I think the worst weather, but – it was rain delays and all that kind of stuff, so they didn't finish the second round. That's until, what it was. It was the end like, of the second like, round on Saturday. On Saturday yeah. yeah, so it was because I think we had to end up having a either it was a really really late finish on Sunday or even a Monday, Monday finish. finish. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Monday. So it was like one of those things where I'm excited to be able to watch it, and theoretically, everyone's going to have a little bit more of a balanced, you know, chance to make the cut. Whereas, like, I think a lot of like the top guys just completely missed the cut. We didn't get even to see them compete. Uh, in you know this fifth major just because of that you know yeah. bad luck on the draw there yeah talking about top guys did you see the marquee group here coming off tomorrow morning oh. with what was it rom scotty and rory on yep. that same group that's unbelievable and you got homa jt and spieth that's the one that's the one yeah, i'm excited about because those three are like such t- they're so tight like that's like three of us going out there and playing yeah. sawgrass together i'm i that's that's got to be beneficial for them, right? Fitzpatrick, Hovland, and Lowry for the international contingency. Kitayama, Zalatoris, and Shoffley. That's not bad. Up and comers. Yeah, it's nice to see them just kind of fully embrace the 
you know, we've got some big names here. That's the group people want to actually see playing together on these early days and just kind of letting that happen. So also, was this the tournament that when COVID started in like, what was it, 2020? Yep. They, they only just, played one round or not Kevin even. Kevin Na had like a 10-shot lead. It was Matsuyama. Yeah, 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 yeah. Someone to think about. Even though I looked up his numbers and I was like, I can't even put this guy in my DraftKings lineup. <laughs> Dub, what were, did you have any like favorite holes out there? Holes that you're excited to to really watch this weekend after playing them? I like 17. It was cool. <laughs> the no, one I, with the island green? I think the shot for me that was, I mean, there every single tee shot, <laughs> TV doesn't do it justice because you're you're staring at trouble on both sides and it's just like well I'm screwed like no matter where I hit the ball because I know I'm not going down the middle but I think the shot for me that was one of those like I I have a new appreciation for is that second into sixteen oh yeah it's like a dime it's like sitting out there so it's the green is so small so undulated and and the green's on the water like the whole right side so if you miss the slightest bit right you're in the water and then you got to drop. You know, depending on what angle you're coming in from. <laughs> All right, Daniel yeah, Berger. You're Daniel Berger, you drop <laughs> way close to the green. But I mean, that that was one of those. You know, you walk up there and you're like, hey, you can't miss right. If you miss left, then you got to chip with the water on the other side where it's going to roll in. So that was one of those shots that kind of sticks out to me. You know, there's something about that shot too that the amateur doesn't realize is like most of us play fades, right, or power fades or borderline slices. You just can't, slice. you can't even hit that is. ball on the green with a fade. It will just bounce right and go in the water. So you got to aim left, right? It makes it even smaller. Anybody got anyone they're looking at this week? It's. I'm really glad you brought that up because for me, as much as Josh is excited, Dub is excited for the <laughs> golf tournament, my excitement is moving towards March Madness as well. So what I was thinking about for betting-wise for this week is I plan on making so much money in March Madness <laughs> that I don't want to get taxed by FanDuel. So I'm thinking about betting on Rory this week. Ooh, it's a great pick. Kind of bring my balance down some. Such low-hanging So that fruit. then I could come back and win some more money next week with March Madness. Rory has a great legitimate chance to win this thing. He actually is hitting the ball fine. Yeah. I, I don't know about that. I was going to say the joke's on you, Ty, because this is the kind of event that Rory wins. It's not a major. I've heard that for the last <laughs> two years. <laughs> it's not a major dot, dot, dot. Anything else? Right. Anything else? <laughs> It. What's interesting though is I was looking at it. There's only since being at TPC Sawgrass, only five different players have won it twice. So like people don't win this more than once. So I, yeah, I think you got to not look at Rory going off history because he's already won there before. So you can pretty much you can rule out Rory, you can rule out JT. I'm all over Willie Zalatoris this week. Love it. Is he healthy? He's healthy enough. He's playing. Hurdy hurt, hurt his back. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but he's he's been playing solid since he came back. You know, at the tournament champions, like he didn't didn't do great last week, but. You know, we always see people struggle at uh, Bay Hill, so I'm, I'm all over him. He's got, I think, a top 25 and a top 20 here in the past, like plus 3,500. Great odds. Yeah, I'm excited to see. My, my pick is going to be Homa this week. I, I think he's been hitting the ball so well. Last week, he led the field, I believe, in ball striking, and, and his putter just didn't show up. So that's that's not very typical for Max. I, I look for him to kind of rise to the occasion and really kind of start putting himself in the discussion as, as the top golfers with with having a semi-major on his resume. Uh, the other guy is John Rahm. I mean, obviously, he's going to be the favorite oh, here. Pick. Oh, he's the but, third nice. favorite on the old after After last week and, and before that, we had declared him like he's about to go on the next great Tiger run. He could conceivably, with a win here, kind of start putting himself into the conversation of one of the best seasons ever if he caps it's off his, his already early wins and he's got a player. So I know he didn't play too well in the weekend. Fatigue might be a factor for him, but excited to see if he can uh, kind of put everything back together this week. Yeah, guys, shoot seven under last week in the first round, and the winner ends up finishing at nine, and John Rahm finished at like one over. Yeah. 
Just couldn't get it, couldn't bring it home. He's a little chubby. Maybe he just, yeah. Maybe he's a little fatigued. Yeah. I got two Are guys. You body shaming John Rom right now? <laughs> I got two guys I'm looking at this All week. Right, so Shane Lowry with body touch. Shane or... Lowry, right. Mike, a little Tyler tired this weekend. <laughs> I got two guys I'm looking at this week. Uh, we'll go with the long shot first. Tom Hoagie. Guys, second on tour and strokes gained approach to the green, like we talked about. This is a second shot golf course. Not the most accurate driver, but like, you know, doesn't get in a lot of trouble, doesn't hit out of bounds or like way offline, just in the rough a little bit. So I like him for his choke screen, strokes gained approach. And then a guy we brought up earlier, he's kind of middle of the road, maybe 30 to 50 in strokes gained approach to the green. Uh, but I'm looking for his putter to get hot. He drives the ball great. And that's Keith Mitchell. Mm. Reach. Cashmere Keith. You know, a visor. Like, that would be very fitting to win a player's. I don't know why. The, the visor just feels like it fits to win a player's. Yeah, and, and with it being player's week and a couple guys who played pretty well last week, Look at some past champions, Ricky Fowler, Jason Day. I mean, it's a little bit of a blast from the past. Those guys are finally kind of getting their game back. We're excited to see Ricky back, you know, fan favorite out there. Same with Jason Day. So not that I'm necessarily picking them, but, you know, with them being past champions, this should be a big week for them to kind of continue their their resurgence, Did if you, you will. you not listen? People don't win this more than once. Well, well I, yeah. I'm glad you guys brought that up because I am picking someone who has won here. Before. No, I've been reading about <laughs> Jason Day. I'm going to go with Adam Scott. The guy <laughs> has not missed the cut in his last 12 events. He's playing good golf. He is a past winner here, so he knows this course. He always plays it well, and there's no sweeter swing out there. So, yeah, I'm just going to take the long shot, Adam Scott. He's a little aged. His wardrobe has really fallen off over the years. Beige. He, uh, I don't think he, I heard, or I read that he's not hitting Titleist clubs anymore. He's, he's actually hitting this Mira. 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 Sorry for the pronunciation. Irons. Um, he got new irons in the bag this week. They have the red stamp of, uh, sorry, let me check my notes here. Yes, the back to back. What, Scott, Master, Scott? It has the red stamp of Master Craftsman. Katsuhiro Mira, who is, and they're desi- actually designed after um, some of Jack Nicholas's old irons that have been uh, tailored to Adam Scott's swing. So, pretty cool story there. Something to watch out for. Give me Adam Scott. 100 to 1 odds. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. You know, I think the rumor goes that when Tiger was playing his best golf, even though his irons were Nike, they were just Mira branded as Nike. So, it's a great brand and only the best. Like, they're pure, pure pure blades you can't hit the thing off center and adam scott swings plenty good for him yeah speaking of tiger it was really disappointing he wasn't going to be in the field i thought after the genesis he looked good enough to come back but i guess he's got, he's got much, a court date. Yeah, much bigger hard. things on his yeah, plate now from the legal a front big old ball of wax there <laughs> all right so then <laughs> let's also talk about <laughs> right we got we got schedule changes for the upcoming 2024 season right the pga tour kind of <clears throat> You know, going down what it feels like a bit of a live path, right? They have eight or nine a events bit. a bit, right? <laughs> they have eight or nine events where these elevated events, like we saw last week at the Arnold Palmer, which was 140-some golfers, like traditionally, they're going to make these elevated events something like 70 to 78 golfers in an attempt to kind of pay back and reward the best players. Like once you get into these fields, you're going to get a kind of a minimum purse. You're going to make a lot more money. And it encourages guys to play good golf to get into these. They're also trying to maybe protect like the Honda Classic, which we saw a couple weeks ago had a very uncompelling field, like a great finish, which kind of saved the tournament with Chris Kirk in the playoff with Eric Cole, but a tournament that literally nobody was tuning into. So they're hoping the Honda becomes a qualifier so these guys can get into these elevated events. I want to hear what you guys think about the whole smaller field live model when maybe six months ago, a year ago, everything was anti-live. 
I mean, I have no problem with the format in itself. Like I, that was always kind of my thing with live as well was that, I mean, it could be an interesting way to approach it. And I think we, at least even in the designated events on the PJ tour, we've already seen like, it's cool to have all those big guys out there. I'm just really surprised that the PGA tour is making this a thing. Cause isn't that one of the big issues with live as it is like in terms of getting world ranking points yeah. is like, Oh, there's no cut and it's a smaller field and all this kind of stuff. You say we can't like legitimately give you points. And now really the only difference is going to be there's one more round of golf happening. So I think it's going to kind of weirdly open the door for them to start like live to potentially grow a little bit more, which feels like a weird move by the people. Yeah. Tour. I mean, the thing though with, with live is there's no qualification to get in those tournaments. It's just whoever's got the biggest paycheck from the Saudi government. Whereas you have to earn your way into, I think that's kind of how they're getting around it. I don't love the no cut thing. I think there's quite a bit of drama that goes with it, but I think that's the one way they're getting around this, this criticism of, well, you're just live 2.0 is no, you have to earn and be in the top 50 in FedEx or whatever in the hell the qualifications are. Sure. But but in terms of like, if you're looking at it as like the board of, you know, world golf rankings, like if you're just, is a tournament meet the criteria to be, to get points, not saying how many points these guys would get realistically, whatever it would be, it'd be a fraction of what, you know, whatever points you'd be getting on the PGA tour, but they would at least be accumulating something. Right. I feel like is what's going to happen, you know? So maybe between their live golf and their Asian tour stuff, they would actually the some of the younger guys that haven't already met the criteria to be in the masters, be at, you know, the open championship would actually be able to somehow get into those events. I remember John Rahm made some interesting comments, and I think it's kind of coming back to that, is how some of these limited field events actually like don't get as many world ranking points as a full field event, but the average player ranking is much higher and the talent's much higher. I think that the PGA Tour is probably just making the concession of, like, Liv's eventually going to get world ranking points, so let's just do something better for our players. But it will be interesting to see how many world ranking points they get for a field that's limited and invitation only and stuff like that, because... You know, it, I think they're going to have to break down that whole argument of like the RSM Classic getting as many world ranking points as a Arnold Palmer Invitational because the quality of the field is going to be much better. I thought quality of field was something that they added in like the newest like calculation that when they changed it last year, which they should, right? I, I think they did add that, and that was one of the weird things with it. Now. It should help out Live. I mean, I think Live should get world ranking points. Yeah, Certainly, you can't. Um, I don't know, maybe a little less because there's going to be. You know, it's all about quality of player, right? Because there's going to be people in the world that are ranked a thousand in the world. Yeah, when you, you have Chase Kepka kind of balancing out yeah. the, the power struggle, there. he literally cuts the world ranking points in <laughs> half by being in the field. I was looking at like the the events from this past week and like the non PGA Tour events. So you got into like your DP World Tour. Like they had maybe got like twenty points if you won that, and then like the, the a lot of like the smaller like Asian tours and all those other things that. Kitayama was on, you know, a few years back. The winner got like 1.2 world ranking points. So it's <laughs> it's relatively negligible, but it, you know, it's it's momentum in theory. Do you get world ranking points from on like the Corn Ferry or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. Qualifying could, tours. Could they have like an event, and maybe they already do? And I don't know. Like run concurrently with an elevated event where you call up the top half of the Corn Ferry and they play with the lower half of the PGA guys, and maybe they get more world ranking points there. Is that a solution for to kind of appease some of these guys that are upset about not being able to participate? Well, I think I think the thing is that those guys would then play in the other tournaments that right now aren't getting the biggest fields. Like if the wow. Honda is sandwiched between two elevated events and you're not in the top eighty or whatever the the cut line is going to be there, you go play the Honda the, the following week or the previous week. Yeah, I guess my point was it'd be like the same week it's happening, so it's like you don't have the chance to get points at the elevated event, but you can have a separate co-main event where you're getting some extra points 
Well, the tour does that with majors, right? Like in major weeks, we have off. Well, off they just events. did it this past week, the Puerto Rico Open. Right. I love the changes. I don't. I don't even really like think of the World Golf Rankings when it, when I'm talking about this. But like, just for the PGA sake, I I love that they're making these changes out of competitiveness. Just making you earn your spot. Like, if you want to get up there, you want to earn FedEx Cup points. You want to play against the best players. You gotta you gotta play good golf. You can't just kind of ease your way in there like James Hahn thinks he has the right to. Uh, <laughs> you you got to be in good form in order to get in that top 80, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, like, I think it's a, it, this is 100% great for us as a viewer. Like, It's going to be way more interesting to watch because you add in like that no-cut aspect of stuff. Like, Not to be pro-Rory now after we were shitting on him earlier, but yes. at the Masters, you know, he barely made the cut. He made the cut by like a lot, oh, like on the number, I think, last year. And then, then he broke the scoring record in round four. Yeah, and then he ended up finishing solo and, second. And, and lost. And he, yeah, he did not win, <laughs> but he finished solo second. And it, with all of these guys that maybe would have missed the cut, been right on that line in the 70-80 man field, in, any of these guys can get stupid hot at any given time and make that run where you get to see some like really compelling golf, which I can be very enjoyable for the viewers to watch the 80th guy that got into the field somehow make a giant run. Well, I think that's going to be what I'm anxious to see the turnover year to year or elevated event to elevated event. Like how many guys kind of drop out and how many guys are able to earn their way in based on recent performance, which is kind of the whole argument that some of these like worst golfers are having right now is, you know, now I can't play in the API or the Genesis or things like that. But It was interesting to hear this week that that secret Delaware meeting, they talked about yeah. just splitting into two tours, and it's like the, the top 20 guys in the world are just on their own tour, and everybody else that like becomes PGA Tour, like AAA, and now they're like... Minor league PGA. They, they don't even have a chance to play with the big guys. So I feel like this is a good balance, and, and you know again, we won't know how it truly works out until we start seeing it next season. But I, I think this is a good feel for the schedule, too, because now as a golf fan... I don't have to be tuned in, locked in every week yeah. because they're distinguishing. This is something you need to watch on TV because all the top guys are going to be here. And this is something you can just follow the leaderboard and catch up with the back nine on Sunday, like the non-elevated events. And it's like, and let's not pretend that an 80-person field is like a small amount of players. You know, For example, going into this week when Kurt Kitayama won, he was in like the top like 50, top 60 kind of thing. He was, he was fringe would be making into these events and still managed to win. So you're still, there's plenty of names that would be in these fields that you aren't, aren't like household names that everyone right. just knows. And like when Jordan Spieth is, or Rory is in 80th, I'd still almost rather watch them than watch someone I don't know that well. I don't know. There's just certainly from a spectator's perspective, like when you watch the guys play Eastlake, right? There's only 25. So there's not a lot of golf coverage. Sometimes they have to kind of fill it up. But the guy that's in 20th that starts, you know, 10 shots back from the leader, it's still really fun to watch those guys because, one, you know them, they're kind of relevant players. And I'd rather watch those guys hit shots than an up-and-coming up -and guy, to be honest. It will definitely help, like, the fans. You know, you buy a, a ticket to the final round and then, you know, say it's the players last year where a lot of the top guys ended up missing the cut because of the weather sort of situation. You get to, you guarantee you have a chance to see your favorite players on the tour. I, it pains me to bring this up, but it's just so true that when I went to the Open and Roy misses the cut at Port Rush, and I don't get to see him on Sunday in Ireland, wasn't that he like sucked. the favorite to win that? Like that was his home course that where he holds sucked. the course record. It wasn't too. his home course, but he was definitely should have played well. But it did suck not seeing him there. So, and then I think the PGA Tour is going to try to 
engage the DP World Tour in these elevated events too, which will be great to see these guys go around the world too. And I don't know if it's just been a coincidence, but the th- we've had what three elevated events already. I I don't know how you could top any of those. I mean, with you ha- you've had basically every storyline imaginable so far. You know, Rom kind of dominating. You had the the lesser known nobody win with Kitayama. You have Scotty defending his title. Homa, right? All of it. And it'll be interesting to see what happens this week, but. I don't know how different those events were from past years with the, the elevated, non-elevated, but they certainly felt like I need to watch or I need to be tuned in more than I otherwise would have been. Yeah, I really don't think like a, a week like this week where the players is technically like an elevated or designated event is. I don't think the, that the majors they're going to feel any different other than like maybe the absence of some of the names you're used to seeing versus the waste management definitely felt different this year. Like there was. Right. You know, when Scotty won, like, yes, he did beat some you know notable guys. I think it was playoff with, what, Cantlay when he won two years ago. But this year, all, Rory's there, Rom's there, you know, Jordan, JT, all these players are, you know, at the, the tournament versus usually they're not. So you definitely, they definitely feel different. But you don't get like Nick Taylor, right? Nick Taylor's playing really good golf at waste management, but he probably wouldn't have been in that field if it was only 70 to 78 players. So you miss a little bit of that, but you know, replace Nick with another star player. I like watching that a little better. I do like the the Cinderella stories, and we'll still see that on all the other tour events, but these elevated events, right, they need to be about star power. And wouldn't, like, winning those other events then, like, catapult you into it yeah. to some yeah. extent? Like, you, there is a way, like, some, like, the top, like, 50, I think, get locked in if you're at the top 50 at, like, the end of the previous year's FedEx for those events, and then the other 20, 30 spots yeah. are, like, floating. I mean, winning on the PGA Tour, right, grants you access to, like, your own schedule and lots of events and lots of majors and stuff like that. But it's going to feel like these tournaments like the Honda Classic are going to be even more important to win because they get you into not just every other average tour event. It's every elevated event with a minimum purse of, like, you know, 50, 100 grand kind of thing. Yeah, and I think we'll, I, I think the way, hopefully, they set up the schedule, it's not like the big-time players are only going to be playing the elevated events next year. Like, if there's three weeks in between and ele- in between elevated events, like I think Rory already came out and said, like I'm not going to be taking three weeks off between, like he's going to be playing in the in some of those events that aren't elevated. So there's your chance if you're an up and coming, not in the top eighty, to go against someone like Rory and beat him. Now, was that part of James Hahn's like concerns or like uh, you know what he was upset about was? these you're i'm not gonna be able to get into a designated event and then if these designated guys start playing poorly they're just gonna come down and make it so i now can't even get into some of the other ones i feel like i heard him something along those lines i don't know i don't i don't understand his comments at all he basically made it seem like an us versus them situation when like they're all part of the pga tour he's on the freaking board for the pga tour like the only difference is that those guys are playing better golf than you are so like if you want to get in that top 80 that you think is a money grab for those top 80 players like it's not exclusive to them. Play you're, better golf. Yeah, play better golf, mm, yeah. and you're in it. And I'm Just sure. Do better. I'm golf. sure if he were to play better golf and get in that top eighty, he's probably not making these same comments. No, no, he would disagree. Right? He would. He's just afraid that the purses are going to get smaller on the one chance, the one week he gets hot and happens to win. It's not going to be in an elevated event. It's like, well, James, how you seem to be a little better and more consistent. Yeah. Right, and and that's what makes the tour so exciting because you're not guaranteed anything. And so, except if you're in a designated event, right? Well, yeah. I mean, like when you start your career, you're not getting a salary. You have to earn everything every tournament you play. And I mean, some of his arguments almost boil down to, well, 
you know, I'm just not good enough, but I still want to make a lot of money. And it's like, no, you just got to go play better. Do, he's just, gonna, he's just do pissed because the Wells Fargo person is going to go down and it's the only tournament he has a chance to yeah. win like year in and year out. I also liked how he was like ripping into, I think, Lanto Griffin, who was also on the board. And he was like ripping into him. He goes like, he was like, hey, bro, you're the same kind of player I am. And you voted for this instead of against it. I'm the only one who voted against it. Like basically saying that he didn't have the balls to vote against it. And then. This week they had like a players meeting before the players championship and James Hahn just didn't show up. Doesn't even show. Like so after weird. the comments yeah, he made, he's just absent. He, was, he had a meeting with Liv. God. Yeah, he literally has like a live media <laughs> strategy of like any press is good press and he just gets himself in the press and that's how he'll get a new sponsor. Watch. And one of the things he was saying too was like, it's just not fair. Like Jordan garners so much more, you know, people listen to him more because he's so well-spoken and he's so smart and he's so good at golf. And, you know, it's not fair that everybody listens to him and no one <laughs> listens to me. It's like, what? That's, that's what just how life works out here. <laughs> he's good at golf and they listen. What? <laughs> All right, cool. Let's wrap this thing up talking about some non-golf activities that occurred this week. Our Walkersville Lions basketball team making it to the state semifinals, losing by two points. In a hell of a game, Josh, Tully, Tyler, y'all went... Give us a little recap. Not well, a foul. Yeah, not a foul at the end. But even before we get there, it's supposed to be a neutral site event <laughs> for the state semis. And we get down there. It is about 15 to 20% Walkersville fans. And then you've got the other neutral site team that drove all nine minutes, brought their marching band to the basketball game, got 40 cheerleaders there, and... Make our poor eight cheerleaders from Walkersville. You can't you can't hear a word they're saying. <laughs> so I don't know how this was a neutral site, but I tell you what, those Walkersville boys, they played great, played their hearts out, tough loss, hell of a season. Tyler got assaulted. It was it was an, yeah, it it was was an aggressive crap. <laughs> I was only pot at this point in my life, I'm only clapping for the teams when they do well. Some, you did the lion rumble. I I'm saw doing that. the lion rumble. I'm positive. I'm not gonna boo a, a You're yelling air ball every time yeah. Yeah. I'm shot. not yelling at any seventeen year old. I'm positive at this All right, point. Job. In my life. <laughs> then I get hit in the dome with a piece of chocolate. <laughs> I was like, where's that come from? Tully had my back, though. Tully turned around and snapped at him. And then we both quietly turned around. (laughs) And we turned around and saw 40 people staring at us and like, we're going to lose this one. You know, I've heard people saying that this team is is probably going to be pretty good this upcoming year. But I think they're losing quite a few seniors. I mean, they have one of the the trees, one of the post kids is a senior. like two best players are gone, I believe. Yeah, it's going to be a tough year coming back. But, you know, I haven't watched high school sports in quite some time, but this team really got me going. They just – they really felt like they had the talent level, and they probably should have won that game right a bad call at the end. But that's the first time I've seen, like, a dominant Walkersville sports team, and they they had it all going for them. It was a little different environment for them. You could tell they were a little nervous at the beginning, which from all the other games I've watched them play, granted most of them have been at home, so they were had that comfort level. But when they were got in this bigger arena and you could tell there were nerves early on, went down six points right off the bat. But then they battled back a couple times, took the lead with 11 seconds left, and there's, there's Tully's... Uh, Shouldn't have been a foul. Shouldn't have been a foul. <laughs> right, so the, a guy on the other team puts up a deep three, and our guy comes up and looks like he gets a lot of ball. The, the other player doesn't even act like it's a foul, and then the whistle blows like before the ball's even even hit out of the air. So I will well, say credit to that kid for stepping up to the line and knocking down all three yeah, free yeah, throws. I you mean, gotta give him some credit never, there. Never a doubt. And you know, that guy specifically, that's something Walkersville had never seen. I mean, this guy's a sophomore getting D one offers already, might play in the NBA someday. Walkersville, the best player they've seen, might be able to play D three somewhere, probably. So definitely a, a whole different a little level redhead of kid from Middletown looked like he had to do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think the biggest story is how bad their concessions were, Tyler. 
The concessions. I was very upset about the concessions. <laughs> very, this is the most beautiful gym we've ever been in. They got like six basketball courts. We got fired up at first because they had a couple tables set up. They had one stand just like making like fried Oreos, like fried fresh Oreos, lemonade. freshly Look squeezed really lemonade. They had a couple of containers like chopped up fruit you could drop in. I was like, all right, this These looks kind of nice. sound great. What well, let us about? finish. And then after waiting in line for a 20 minutes and missing the first part of the first quarter, I get up there and they're out of fries. They're out of hamburgers. They're so serving I, gray hot dogs. I go, I go, give me two hot dogs, please. First bite, cold. Second bite, cold. But they had, they had a third day. bite, warm. They had <laughs> actually, it might have been, might have been right, Tyler's right, sweaty palms, right under the light bulb. Very disappointing. We 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 had higher expectations there. Now, uh, rate it out of ten, and then rate Walkersville's concessions out of ten. Ten out of ten at the football games when they got the pretzels. Football t- football games are good. Basketball game was a little bit underwhelming. At least they had nice warm pizza. Yeah, they get like 12 pizzas from right down the road, and everybody's happy. Hood concessions also stunk. Yeah, that's true. We got to get the concessions game. (laughs) We got to get that up around here. All right, that does it for us tonight. Thanks for listening. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram, follow us at Big Players Only Pod, and check out our Facebook, the Big Players Only Podcast Facebook page. We'll see you next time.